Hey, this is Cody. And Kevin. And Franklin. Thanks for joining us on the Conversations on Jesus podcast. Pull up a chair and hang out as we talk about who Jesus is and what that means for our lives. Hello and welcome to the Conversations on Jesus podcast. I'm Kevin and I'm here with Franklin and Cody as we continue to work through the Gospel of Matthew. How are you guys doing? I'm great. That last conversation was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed it. Yep. First it half of chapter eight was, was good. Second half's only going to get better. That's yeah. right. <laughs> okay, so let's jump right into it. Um, we wrapped up with the centurion in um, getting the healing for his servant. And then the, the uh, story continues for Matthew here, well, for Jesus. It says in Matthew eight fourteen that Jesus goes to Peter's house. And when he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever, or he did, he saw her, he saw her lying in bed with a fever, says that he touched her hand and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. And then Matthew says that this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. What should we be talking about in this section, guys? What stands out to you? Cody, what you got? I don't know. The, this section, like, it, there wasn't a whole lot that I quite, like, it's pretty straightforward. Okay. Like, I, it was challenging. And I know Kevin's going to disagree with me because <laughs> that answer, I can tell he's got a load of stuff to talk about. <laughs> but, like, at first glance, I'm like, you know, it's, it, Matthew elaborates and speaks pretty clearly here for me that, like, you know, there's a few things that Jesus did. And healing was one of them. He started off with the the centurion conversation Mm -hmm. and then moves on to to Peter's mother-in-law, healing her by by touching. Uh, And so, like, yeah, I mean, Matthew says he touched her hand and the fever left her. Yeah. Almost Mm -hmm. like the fever was scared. Yeah. Yeah. Gone. Like Like he touched the man with leprosy. mm -hmm. Yeah. And the man's hand was healed. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, so I agree with you that um, it was very straightforward for me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing for me was, I mean, again, the touching and it leaving. Mm-hmm. And then um, the demon possessed were brought to him and mm-hmm. he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. Which, I mean, is straightforward. It doesn't go into a whole lot of depth, but again. So I like guess, you, yeah, I mean, I guess one thing that would speak the most to me in this section is i mean okay so we we just talked last episode about looking at things figuratively and and literally right right? and and matthew puts you know he oppressed by demons he cast out the spirits with a word Mm. yeah just a single word it was all go right like go yep that's all it took and to underestimate that power right like it and I guess that's part of like the the challenge with this section of verses mm-hmm. is like it for whatever reason I don't I don't know but like it just it doesn't seem like that didn't like pop as much to me as it's, I th- I agree that, with you guys that power or that authority yeah of what that the actual meaning of that mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. so I don't I don't know yeah. I, I, it's a, it is a straightforward story. They go to Peter's house. His mother-in-law is there. She's in, she's in bed sick with a fever. Jesus heals her. They bring demon possessed men to him. He heals them. This is a fulfillment of Isaiah 53 of part of it. 
in its um, plain straightforwardness, I think we um, we don't. It would do us well not to miss what has just happened. I mean, this is now the third story in a row that we've come to from Matthew with Jesus, where he sealed somebody. We had a guy with leprosy. He, the man with leprosy comes to Jesus and says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He, he heals him. The Roman centurion comes to him and says, my servant, who's not even here, he's, he's suffering terribly, um, but I know you can make him well. You have such great faith. Okay, he's made well. Here, the mother Peter's mother-in-law doesn't even ask to be healed. Someone had to tell Jesus about, about her, so they come to her house. She... She has no conversation with him. All he has to do is touch her, and the fever is gone. And then what happens next? Many who are demon-possessed were brought to him. So Jesus is now healing people as, re- as a part of his regular public ministry. He's, he's healing. He's removing oppression from people. He's making people well. Um, it's something that Jesus loves to do. But I get it. We can look at a story going like this. Jesus doesn't even say anything in Matthew's version of it, and we go, "Okay, next story." Like, but but we shouldn't miss what he just did. And she was dying in bed. No, right. She's not going to get better. Yeah. And then now she gets up and she begins to wait on him. Mm-hmm. And the people who <laughs> who are possessed by demons come, and he the demons can't stay. It's it's amazing what what's going on here. And and Matthew says. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Isaiah wrote that 600 years before Jesus was born. He said that this is what, this well, for him, the suffering servant, this is what the servant of God is going to do. And wouldn't you know it, this Jesus is on the scene and this is exactly what he's doing. And Matthew, because he knows the Old Testament really well, um, he goes, uh-huh, this sounds like a fulfillment of Isaiah. I've heard this before somewhere. Yeah, so much so. And, okay, so this one, I need you guys' help not to let me go too far on this. But um, if, you look at the, if you look at the verse in Isaiah, Matthew has messed with the words a little bit. In Isaiah, it says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Matthew says he took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. The other, so so there the wording is slightly different. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look at the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it says that he carries this one, carries our sins, and suffers pain for us. So carries this one, suffers our sins, or carries our pain, carries our sins and suffers our pain. Like yes. those three sentences. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Yes. So yeah. so the so the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which has historically been called the Septuagint, says that Jesus well, it doesn't say Jesus. It says this one carries our sins and suffers pain for us. That's what the suffering servant is gonna do. That's the Greek translation. The Hebrew says um that surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. So no mention of sin in that verse. What Matthew writes, though, is that he took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. So the point is, um, 
it's sometimes been made much of that Matthew takes an Old Testament quotation and butchers it and just says, man, I'm going to do whatever I want with this verse. I'm going to make Isaiah say whatever I want him to say. But that's not, that's not what Matthew is doing. Matthew knows the message that Isaiah preached so well that he's taking that in, entire section of Isaiah 53, which talks about bearing uh, uh, sins at the end of it and talks about suffering and, and sickness and everything and is saying, look, this is what Isaiah is talking about. And I'm going to play with the wording a little bit. Now, what I... I wouldn't advise anybody now to go to their Old Testament or go to their New Testament and say, let's play with the word yeah, a little bit. <laughs> let's have some freedom here to mess with the words. But what happens a lot is with different translations, we get adjustments in the language and we go, oh, I never, it could mean something like that. I think what Matthew is doing is taking Isaiah 53 verse four, which it makes a big difference, but maybe we don't see it so much. Matthew is not taking verse four because there's no verse for him to look at. There's no chapter numbers, no verse numbers. What he's doing is taking a line that Isaiah wrote and saying, I see how the fulfillment, how this, ver how this uh, statement of Isaiah is being fulfilled here. But the way that Jesus is doing it is by healing people of physical ailments, mm -hmm. which I can almost picture Matthew thinking, that's like him bearing our sins. That's like him, um, well, what it says in the, that, so that's the Greek, what it says in the Hebrew is he's taking up our pain. Infirmities, pain, sin, it's all in that family of, of things that are oppressing us. Jesus is taking upon himself. And I think Matthew is taking that section and saying, I'm gonna apply it to this situation um, because I, I think it's applicable here. Well, yeah. And I mean, like, again, we, I mean, we spoke to it last episode, but this is Matthew's account mm -hmm. of Jesus's life. Mm -hmm. Right. And so in this particular section, he isn't quoting Jesus. That's right. He's giving, uh, giving us an, an, an image of, okay, look, this is what led up to it. And then, well, here's what happened. That's right. Jesus healed a lot of people mm -hmm. and, if you know Old Testament and you know Isaiah, okay, you know, it, I'm not going to quote it word for word. I, that, I don't need to. You can go read it. Yeah. But right. this right. is the application of what Isaiah was saying. Yeah. And we're seeing it here. Yeah. We're seeing it, Jesus fulfill what Isaiah said. Yeah. And if you want to read word for word, yeah. I told you it's in Isaiah. Yeah. It's there. And, and, and you can go, you know, elaborate and, and fill that out more. But to what you said, Kevin, like Matthew sitting here writing, like, okay, how do I, how do I best describe yes. what's going on here so that people understand? And he says, okay, you know, Isaiah said this, this, and this, mm -hmm. and he went on for a long time yep. and there wasn't, you know, verse one, two, three, and four, there's this piece of text that Isaiah wrote. Right. And Matthew's like, well, yeah, I mean that, that section right there, Isaiah talked about it. Yeah. I mean, that, Jesus, he looks like he's doing that. That's right. And how is he doing it? Well, he's healing a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. Well, then he, this is what he's doing. And right. like, so to, to get caught up in arms over that slate, you right. know, like he's quoting it. Right. He, he's saying it's in Isaiah, but here's what it says. Yeah. And this is what it means. Yeah. And this is 
what it looks like. Were you going to say something, Franklin? It's the same thing that we do every time we talk about scripture. Yes. Yeah. It. Oh, and that's the thing is like, it's Matthew. I, I can appreciate his writing style here. Yes. Yeah. Like he want he wants us to understand what he's saying, mm-hmm. and exactly. he's wa- and not only wants us to understand what he's saying, he wants us to understand how to apply it. Yes. And I think that for me is like the unlock is like he's not just saying this is what it says. Move on. Hope you get it. Right. I hope you understand it yourself. Right. No, he's saying, okay, look, you know, for those of you who didn't know, in Isaiah, when he talks about all this, what does that look like? Well, now you can say, you know, you've seen Jesus heal. Right. You've seen that fulfilled. And like you said, it's like, I mean, it's totally different for us. We're, we're used to being in a society where, and I think it's good where if you're going to quote somebody, you need to put quotation marks around it and let us know where he said it, Mm -hmm. the page, the line number, everything. Or if you're quoting an audio thing, where did it come from? Or or the day and time that he said it, what year did it happen? We have to understand it. Quotation marks did not exist. There's no way for Matthew to say, okay, here's the block where I'm saying, I am lifting this word from here and I'm placing it in my gospel. <laughs> well, and like, like you said, like it's if Isaiah had written a chapter book, right. With, you know, specific chapters and titles of each chapter and, and the, you know what I mean? Right. If Isaiah did that. Okay. Then we might have a, a better uh, expectation for Matthew to say, okay, it was, you know, Isaiah chapter 54, third paragraph down right right and it, it's like what do you expect an ap level paper yeah exactly <laughs> AP, <laughs> that's right. Right. i'm gonna need an apa reference please uh, yeah that's, that's right. what comes to mind like you want me to cite what right. line what mm-hmm. word? where's your reference section yeah. matthew yeah. i don't see it right i have, no, I have right. footnotes now but, <laughs> right. but not when you wrote it right what we're what i think we're seeing is somebody who has meditated on the Hebrew Bible so much that when he sees Jesus doing something, what comes to his mind is, oh, this, what you had just said, um, this looks a lot like what Isaiah had talked about. Yeah. And so the words are adjusted slightly, and so be it. That's the way that it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm not trying to get bent out of shape with that. I, I'm not trying to throw stones at people who are like, no, that is a big deal, and we ought to... I, it's yes, papers have been written about this and, and Matthew in particular is a new Testament writer that quote unquote takes Liberty with quotations in the old Testament. I get it. I, I understand those arguments, but I think that can be blown out of proportion where we have to understand Matthew lived in, in the Hebrew Bible and he walked with Jesus and he's doing his best to apply. He's doing his best aided by the spirit of God mm-hmm. to faithfully represent the life of Jesus. And what comes out of him are, are word pictures from the old Testament, not word pictures are, are truths from the old Testament that he is applying in his gospel. And he doesn't, Matthew doesn't, it's not like he's got his Hebrew Bible here and he flips open to the page, like we said, and said, okay, on page 50, he said this. It's from memory, most likely. Well, and that's the thing is like, right? So it's, Matthew isn't saying, okay, what does, what does the Old Testament say about what Jesus is doing? Right. right? He's right. saying, this is what the Old Testament says. What, do, what does that look like? Yeah. Oh, what Jesus is doing. That's right. Right. And, and so I think like to your point, to remove the context of 
Matthew knew the Hebrew Bible through and through mm-hmm. to expect that. I mean, when we know something, right, when we put in our 10,000 hours yep. and whatever it may be, woodworking, computer science, anything, when we have a conversation, we're not going to, you know, to a T, dot every I, put every comma, right. every semicolon where it should, when we're having a, a conversation. Right. You know, we're going to speak in in layman's terms. We're going to speak in, and I'm not saying that's what Matthew did necessarily, but in the way of which he's talking about and documenting it, he, right. he's putting it in a way that's like, I know I, I know what they said, and this is what I've seen. Yep, and I'm applying it to this situation. Yep. Yeah. 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 So then, then, yeah, then we get into the cost of following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse 18 through 22. Yeah. yeah. Um. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, this is a big one. (laughs) Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. That's big to tell a son of a father or like a, a guy whose dad just passed away. Anyway, I mean, you tell any, like, go tell anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Follow me and let, let them bury, themselves. bury their own dead. Yeah. Right. That's big. But the power behind that. Right. So when I, when I read that, my first thought goes to the spiritually dead. Mm-hmm. What, what do you guys think? Yeah. So, Okay, so here's a thing where we want to apply that. Let's start with the oh, most yeah, straightforward point. thing and say, okay, he's he's he wants the dead people to bury their own dead people. It doesn't make that much sense. How yeah. dead people can't bury any dead people. I think probably what he's saying is your point exactly, Franklin, is he is saying let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Okay, yeah, yep, yep. I think. I'm, there's plenty of people who look at it and they go, no, actually what he's saying is um, just it's a it's a turn of phrase to say um, let the dead bury their dead. Like the people who take care of dead people will do that. You come follow me. And I get it. I mean, I don't want to say that that's not what he's saying, but I think what he's probably means is, yeah, uh, you – need to come follow me. Let the people who are not worried about following me go take care of their dead. That's what they should be concerned with. Fine. You ought to be concerned with me. Yeah. So because that's what you're called to do. That's right. Yep. That, yeah, that's the cost of following Jesus is you are, you are with me now. Um, it, yeah, because nowhere else in the new Testament do we ever have an instance where Jesus says, I don't like funerals and I don't want you to worry about any of your family members that have died. He, he goes to Lazarus's grave. I mean, he talks with his sisters who have buried him there and he doesn't rebuke them for saying, why are you burying your brother? Just lay him outside and come follow me. No, he, well, he raises Lazarus from the dead. That's a secondary thing. But to that point, he's, he's not, he doesn't berate them for doing that. And I don't think we find that here. I don't think he's telling the man or the boy, however old he is, uh, don't worry about your father. If he even is dead yet, it, it, I don't, I don't know, but I think what he's saying is let the people who aren't concerned with me deal with that stuff. You though, 
ought to be with me. I saw one other thing in here. Do you have something else? No. <laughs> Foxes. Yeah. Wait. Are you talking about verse 20? No. Nope. Or 22? No. Nope. Verse 18. You're talking about verse 18. Yeah. I mean. Well, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. I named all four verses. Yeah. Just How about this? What verse are you talking about? Yeah, so. So it, uh, in verse 19, okay. it says that the teacher of the law came to him, yeah. which is something that we haven't seen yet. So we hadn't seen a Roman centurion come. And teachers of the law have, I mean, we always think of them, Pharisees, Sadducees, teachers of the law, scribes, they are against Jesus. Well, what's the teacher of the law coming here doing? He is, I mean, so just like Gentiles are being brought into the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. those who belong to a group of people who are opposed to the opposed to Jesus's message here, it's showing that they're coming into the kingdom of God as well. They're coming in. I mean, he says, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And then Jesus's response to him is what you had mentioned. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head, which I think he's saying, if you want to follow me, let's be sure you know what you're signing up for. Yeah. We're not, you know, this is not a, a kick up your feet type of thing. I have nowhere to belong in this world. What I am doing is greater than what you can see right now. And if you want to step into it with me, great, but know what you're stepping into. And it's 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 going to be difficult. Yeah. So a couple podcasts ago, probably like three, four or five episodes, I have no idea. We had gotten on to the topic of how verses are not just like one liners. Like Yeah, that's you, right. Yeah, you have to you have to follow the context. Yeah. But I mean, verse twenty seems kind of like a one-liner. That's a one-liner, right there. Oh yeah, for oh, sure. <laughs> you can you can take out yeah. eighteen twenty-one or or nineteen twenty-one, and like Jesus replied, "Foxes have dens and mm-hmm. birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head." You right. could put that on its own, mm-hmm. and like for me, that that verse speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. So let's let's go with that for a second. And I under and I agree with what you're saying. It is one of those verses where if you want to find a verse that talks about the heart of Jesus or what he's doing or how he belonged to the world, that's one of them. Mm-hmm. But it's not true about him now. Like it was true about him then. Now he's ascended to the right hand of the Father. The whole world is his. You're right. He has everywhere to lay his head. Like like the universe belongs to Jesus. He's the creator of all things. But here, Jesus, in this point in his life, it was exactly true about him. He had nowhere to lay down. Now, everything is his. Yes. Yeah. Let's just take that one-liner thought, rip it out from under the feet. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because I want to know who Jesus was at every part. Yes. And this is who he was then. Mm-hmm. This is, yes. So I'm not, I'm not trying I'm, to I'm knock that messing. down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a one-liner that has a lot to it. Yeah. <laughs> what you got, Cody? We, we moving forward, or you got something else for, for that section? Matthew says another one of the disciples mm-hmm. said to him. Just like, not that it has any emphasis on the story, but I'm, I was just curious which one. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, was it one of the 12, or was it someone yeah. who was following along with Jesus and wasn't necessarily one of the 12 yeah. apostles? Yeah, because disciple is just a general term as right. a follower for Jesus. Right, and so I don't know, again, if that's, you know, through, like, I, I, I don't know if the Greek would be any different, whether the Greek would say follower or what, like. Mathetes is what the Greek is. Here, yeah. Here's the possibility. There's no difference. 
Oh, never mind. I just ruined my own possibility. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was going to say, so we're just coming off the Sermon on the Mount and how we we go through the Beatitudes and talks about something in the sense of um, who Jesus was talking to and it was like the broken spirited people. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. So that's kind of where my thought went. So I was going to try and key him together, but then Jesus walked to Capernaum. So unless someone followed from the Sermon on the Mount, that's Could be. a possibility. Yeah. 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 The connection that I made with that, though, another one of the disciples, I come up, well, who would he just talk Peter. to? Yes. Yeah, that's Peter, what I, for sure. That's what I thought, too. But the teacher of the law, too, I think is being identified mm-hmm. as one of the disciples. Oh. He's a follower of Jesus. You, you know, yeah. so he says the teacher of the law came to him, and then it says in 21, another one of his disciples. Well, who was the person just mentioned before? Yeah. It was the teacher of the law. Mm-hmm. So I, I looked at that, and I'm like, oh, that's, I mean, that's a cool thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like I said, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily have any determination on believe. Uh, yeah, the the verse or understanding of it, but I was just curious. It's helpful yeah. for the story, though. Yeah, yeah, yep. So Jesus calms a storm. Uh, probably one of my favorite like mental pictures of Jesus ever. Mm-hmm. So so in and when they got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep, and they went and woke him, saying, "Save us, Lord." We were perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? O you of little faith. And he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm, and the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Right. That mental picture for me is just like Yeah. Jesus just trying to take a snooze. <laughs> just trying to take a snooze on this boat and in the all of a sudden of a storm. <laughs> What's storm he doing? comes in and these people are like, Yo, Jesus, how how you sleeping? How are you like? <laughs> do you not see what's going on around us? Jesus, like, guys, right? Like, chill. Like, do you not get what I've been telling you? Mm-hmm. What I've been speaking of? And like, just that mental picture of like Jesus snoozing, and all of a sudden, like, you guys, what have what have we been talking about for the last right X was, amount of days? It was Peter. Weeks. Peter woke him up. <laughs> <laughs> you have little faith, which is yeah. similar to what he tells the. When he's talking to the centurion, mm-hmm. yeah, in all of Israel, I've found the faith that you have. Yeah, and so it's just like yeah. that. Uh, like I said, it's one of my favorite mental pictures of Jesus because mm-hmm. it's like when I, yeah, when I think about real world application or like today, it's like we do. I mean, we don't always give Jesus the credit that he deserves for what he can handle and mm-hmm. what he can do in our lives, and then we read this, we're like, oh. So here's an example. Um, well, first, I'm going to add, I always think of, like, you think he just went back to bed. Like, <laughs> after he calmed everything Just down. walked back onto the boat. <laughs> well, it's probably an open open top boat. Ah, it probably true. didn't have, like, a covering. Right. So, like, waves going crazy. Yeah. Just, I mean, his bed probably got wet. Yeah, right. probably. So, um, my I was going to draw a picture here. So, we're on a boat. Jesus is in our boat. Mm-hmm. Our boat of life, you know. So, we're going to hit get hit by some waves, some rain. And some thunderstorms, but it's like Jesus is on our boat, so let's have some faith and let's just stick with Jesus. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's. Whenever I read this story, that's like that's what hits me. Like, yeah, me yeah. too. Absolutely. The other thing that stands out to me is the disciples uh, are not sure who Jesus is at this point. Well, not, yeah, I mean that's a point for me. It's like if they didn't believe what he was saying before. They got on the boat. Well, I mean, okay, yeah. If they didn't, you know what I mean. If they didn't before, well, they definitely 
are, are having oh, their I eyes open now. Yes. Like yeah. if, if they had any doubt of what he was saying to be truth or not. Yeah. After that, like, I mean, they say, you know, what sort of man is this that even the winds in the sea obey him? Like you said, yeah. they didn't, they, they didn't know. Right. Yeah. Which is different from not believing. So they've seen him heal people and, mm-hmm. and tell demons to leave. And so they're like, okay, this, this man can do that. But calming wind and waves. That's a different. Moment. Yeah. And so they're trying to figure it out as they're following him. They're learning things about him which is what we do. I mean, we don't call people to be disciples of Jesus after they've learned everything about him. We had just talked about in the last podcast, believe one thing about him. Just hold on to one thing and then start following him. And as you follow him, you're going to learn more and more. And you're going to say, I have said tons of times, what kind of man is this? When I learned some things about him, that some things are disturbing and some things are very uplifting. I'm like, who am I following here? Mm-hmm. But, but that's, it's not, which I didn't hear you say, but I just want to point out that it's not the same thing as saying, okay, he calms the wind and the waves and they go, yeah, I don't believe he did that. That was just a happenstance that the yeah. storms died down. That's not believing. Mm-hmm. This is just their experience in it in real time. And they're learning about who he is. Well, and I think like after so in their experience before Jesus, right, they may have experienced um, healings, not by Jesus, but say John the Baptist, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Um, but I don't, and I don't know for certain, obviously, but they may not have experienced other miracles outside of healing. Yeah. Like calming, like taking earth and mother nature and telling it what to do. Right. Like healing is one thing. And that's kind of its own category, but things outside of that in a different realm of like having command over nature. Right. I think that is the distinction for me of like, they may never have experienced that. They may have read about it. Right. Moses splitting the sea. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh Mm -hmm. with the, uh, the frogs or things that, you know what I mean? Like, so they may have read about it. They've heard about it, but they hadn't experienced Exactly. God or Jesus commanding nature. That's right. And, and witnessed that. And right. so for them, it's like, okay, healing. That's one thing. They have seen that. But when you start talking about taking command over something that isn't healing. Right. That's when it's like, okay, there's something different about this guy. Right. And that's when the, the lights start flickering on and say, mm, right. maybe, maybe he is different. Right. God, man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and these are fishermen. So you have to imagine they've been on the water before when it's gotten really wa- rough and nobody in their entire life has ever told it to calm down and they <laughs> calm down. Like this <laughs> is their experts and this is what they make their living on and they know yep. what then the storms kick up, their job is done for the day. They can, yep. and they better get out of the off the sea or else they're probably going to drown like a lot of their friends have probably drowned. But this Jesus stands up in the boat and says, why don't you believe in who I am? Mm-hmm. And okay, you have little faith. That's true. They had little faith at that point. But he doesn't just say you have little faith and then goes back to bed. He shows them what he can do. And then they have an opportunity to have more faith in him. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, I think that's the, the takeaway here is that it wasn't just Jesus saying, oh, come on, guys. Right. You should know better. You should know better. It's, <laughs> yeah. guys, you should know better. And 
here's why. Here's an example. And yeah. I mean, that's, that's Jesus to a T. Yep. Right. Over and over, not just telling us to do something, but living it out in his life. Exactly. Yeah. So then we get to Jesus heals two men with demons. Yeah. So, okay. So he comes to the other side of the region of the Gadarenes and there's two demon possessed men. They come out to him and they say, what do you want with us, son of God? Have you come to torture us before the appointed time? Jesus, um, uh, and then, and then it says that uh, some distance from them, there was a large herd of pigs and the demons begged Jesus, look, if you're going to drive us out, just send us in the herd of pigs. And Jesus says, go. So they go out into the herd of pigs and the whole herd rushed down in the, in, in the steep bank and in, into the lake and they died in the water. And then um, those who owned the pigs run off and they tell everybody what had just happened. And then they come out to them, the town people, and they say, we would rather you leave and never come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. please don't come back, Jesus. <laughs> That's right. They pleaded with him to leave their region, it says in, in uh, 834. Yeah, so a couple of things for me. Okay, so the, the demons, they knew who Jesus was. Yeah. Not only did they know who he was, they knew the power that he held. That's right. Right, because it says they cried out, uh, what have you to do with us, O son of God? Mm-hmm. So there's them recognizing who Jesus is. And then... Then they say, have you come here to torment us before the time? Mm-hmm. Meaning they know the power that he has. And not only that, but they know that he is, his ultimate goal will be fulfillment. And that before the time, meaning that like yeah. he in. So then one of the questions that I'd came up with was, okay, if Jesus has this power, why did he cast them out into pigs? Why didn't he just get rid of them? Yeah. Right? Poof, into thin air, the demons, you're gone. You have no place on this earth. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because God had a purpose. Mm-hmm. And Jesus had his purpose. Yeah. And it wasn't their time. Right. And, and so then the the part that I didn't know was the, uh, the garterines. They mm-hmm. weren't supposed to have pigs, yet they had pigs. Because they were of Jewish uh, faith, you're not allowed to have hooved animals being pigs. So then you ask the question, why did they plead him to leave their area? Well, because they knew they were in the wrong and they didn't want to face it mm-hmm. because they weren't supposed to have pigs in the first place. Yeah. And they're over here with a whole herd of pigs and these demons hop in the pigs and they go and jump off the cliff and kill themselves. Yeah. And then they walk out like, please don't come back. Yeah. We just want to have our pigs in peace. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, they knew they weren't supposed to have them <laughs> yeah. in the first place. Yeah. And so it's like, that was something that I hadn't known uh, before talking to Gary about it. I was like, they weren't supposed to have him in the first place. Yeah. And so that sentence of they begged him to leave the region was super like, why would you beg Jesus to leave? Yeah. Who on their right mind would want that? Yeah. Well, they knew they were in the wrong mm-hmm. there. I mean, they had darkness clouded over them and yes, that's the choice that they made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so going along with that, I think, uh, and obviously when we read through scriptures, there's, through scripture there's some things that are well so i'll just make the comment on it. i've heard that interpretation before Mm -hmm. that they weren't supposed to have them here's another interpretation i heard is that the the gadarenes was an area where no jews lived so why were there pigs there it's because they're gentiles this is how they make their their living is that they actually so i'm not saying that gary or whoever is wrong there i'm saying um 
in the in the history of interpretation in this passage, there's been a bunch of things put forward and why the pigs and why did they go in the water and why are they upset? So let's say let's say option one is they're Jewish people, they have pigs, and it's against the law. I mean, against the Old Testament, against the Mosaic mm-hmm. law. They're not supposed to have them. Option two is they're not Jews, they're Gentiles. How they make their money is pigs. And so like option one, they want him to leave because they know they're in the wrong. Option two would be he just ruined their entire life, their livelihood. So get out of here. Yeah. Well, in their water. Yeah. Not, not only their food, <laughs> but they got a bunch of dead pigs in their water. That's right. Yeah, no so, more drinking that water. Right. <laughs> right. So with both of those, my, my point was to get down to the bottom of them, they both say basically the same thing. They want them to leave. They want Jesus to leave because he has messed up life for them. Either one, they've been called out on something they're not supposed to do, or two, um, their livelihood is ruined. And so they're both, they just want Jesus to get out of their lives, basically. Yeah. And that's an unfortunate situation to be in, but mm-hmm. um, that's that's the one that they found themselves in. Yeah. Um, one other th- thing that I want to talk about is, um, okay, so about being tortured before the appointed time. Mm-hmm. In Jude, it says, uh, in Jude 6, Here's a, a statement that Jude makes. He says, In the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. So for angels who did not keep their their um, positions of authority, they're being kept in darkness until the day of judgment. In Revelation 20, uh, verse 10, it says, And the devil who deceived them, different context, but uh, same general thing, devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet have had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So I think what we get is a picture here of ultimate judgment, that there will come a day where demons, angels that have fallen, the devil himself, um, their judgment is coming for them. So when they say appointed before the appointed time, they like, not only do they know Jesus, they know him enough to call him the son of God, but they know that they've lost already, (laughs) that it's over for them. So I think, so that's part of the picture. I think we should have when we think of demons or, or the devil is why are they so furious? It's not because they think they're going to win. It's because they know they've lost that's when people go crazy and they fight like yeah. like they're insane is because they know it's over. Right. They know what the ending has. Yeah. What that means for us is that they're um we can be negatively affected by them sometimes. But we should always um relate that in the sense that look, this is um a dying man flailing around that knows it's over for them, not this is an equal adversary with God and we don't know who's going to win yet. Right. To prop them up on a pedestal to be more than what they themselves already know isn't true. Exactly. It's like, I mean, and it's, I mean, it's, it's what we do as humans. That's right. You know what I mean? It's what we do. But to say that we can't combat that with taking that step back and realizing like, like you said, like they know, that at the end of the day, at the finish line, they're not the victors. Right. They know they've lost. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then why are we getting, we have to ask ourselves like, okay, why, why am I given that authority? Exactly. It, they're not going to win. That's right. So why am I saying that they might win? Right. 
why am I believing in that deception of this or that or right. I mean, we could put anything to it. Right. This addiction or or anything right. is going to win over me. Right. It's not. Right. I mean, it, it is if you allow it to. Mm-hmm. But that's obviously you're taking that into your own hands and making that decision. I heard a pastor one day uh, say it like this. He said, think of World War II and when D-Day happened, the beaches of Normandy and everything, um, where just t- tons of military personnel are coming in and and um, and and instruments of war and everything. And they what they're saying is the... Um, and I'm not a history buff guy, so I'm going to mess up things, but the the allies were saying, basically, look, this war is over. Mm -hmm. We have had enough of this. We are pouring in manpower and lives and everything. Well, okay, at that point, anybody with eyes to see could see the war is over at that point. But what happened then? A statement was made. Yeah, and, and the worst fighting of the war took place then. More people died from D-Day forward, I think, than any point up to that point in World War II. The war was over, but there was more bloodshed then than ever. VE Day, victory in Europe, was, was later on and hadn't happened yet. So even though the decisiveness of the battle was, it was clear, there was still a fight to be had. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the experience that we have now and that was um, experienced then with demons and the, and, the, and the power of the devil and and how they work in the world. Yeah. Look, the battle's over. Jesus died and resurrected and he ascended the Father. There's no, like, it's done. Yep. But we are living in a fight of faith right now. And there will be lives lost and there will be bloodshed. But it doesn't mean that we don't know who the victor is. Yeah. It just means that there's a fight left to be had. And we ought to fight like victors, not like those who are unsure of the outcome. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that gate is narrow, but we know that it's wide enough. That's right. To walk the words it. right out of my mouth. It's <laughs> like, we, we know it. Right. And it's our choice. Right. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, that concludes chapter eight. Um, next, we'll dive in, obviously, into keep going. Chapter mm-hmm. nine and keep working through Gospel of Matthew. Yep. Thanks yeah. for listening.